So today, the Holy Spirit was very, very good to me. He gave me the perfect gospel to preach from as it fits in exactly with what St. John the Cross has been teaching us. And even the opening prayer, did you notice? The opening prayer says, Almighty and ever-living God, increase our faith, hope, and charity. I'm like, it was written. It was all written, preordained for this retreat. And so today... I want to go ahead and have us look deeper at that gospel reading and come to recognize what it has to teach us in light of St. John of the Cross. So, the first thing that I want to begin with is, you know, some years back, I had a young man, he came into my parish office, and he was in distress. And I was asking him, well, what exactly are you in distress about? And he said, well, I was with my aunt and uncle over the weekend in Denver, and I was asking them about like the Hindus and the Buddhists and the Muslims and all this. And like, what did their church teach about that? His aunt and uncle were Catholic. And they kind of gave him a, a general understanding of, well, that God judges each person according to how much he knows and, and loves them. Um, and they said, if you want to know, you know more about this, uh, why don't you talk to the Catholic priest back in your town when you get home? And so that's what he did. He came in there and he said, you know what I want to know is, is this true? Is this really true that Hindus and Muslims and Jews go to heaven? And I said, well, what is your understanding always good to first hear on the other side before you respond, get to hear what, where they're really coming from. So maybe you can find a common place to then begin that conversation. And he goes, well, according to, to my church, and he belonged to a fundamentalist church, he said, they're all going to hell. And I said, oh, okay. So he said, so uh, all all the Jews, all the various different people of various religions. And then I said, well, what is your requirement to go to heaven? And he says, well, you have to be physically baptized in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you have to have that done. And if you don't have that done, then you're going to hell. So I said to him, well, the Catholic Church has a little different approach on that. So I talked to him about, you know, the baptism of blood, martyrdom. I talked to him about the baptism of, an, of what we call, an, you know, intention of the, the interior baptism, 
uh, that somebody is seeking to know and to love God as, as best as they can, um, that God is going to, he's going to honor that if no, through no fault of their own, they did not get to come to know and to love him. You know, the obligation's on us, right? We have been given much, so God expects more from us. We need to be going out there and evangelizing these people who do not yet know who Jesus is. They don't know about his church. We are the ones who the obligation is on. A lot of these people, they are what they are because they have not had anything different shared with them. And of course, some of them live in regions of the world where it's illegal for us to share Jesus Christ. And so it takes great courage to do that in, in, in those regions. And we must pray for our Christian brothers and sisters that live in those regions. And to come to see and understand, I said, well, you know, this only goes back to an understanding of, is God a God of justice? And is he a God of love? And is he a God of mercy? Because I said to him, if any one of those is missing, then God is not the God that Jesus spoke of. And he said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, first of all, I said, if God is going to condemn to hell people who, who haven't gotten to know him in the way that you and I have, and through, through no fault of their own, then that would make God unjust. And an unjust God would not be a God then that really shows mercy. And a God who's both unjust and unmerciful is also a God who does not love because God loves unconditionally and calls us to do the same. So he looks at me and he goes, well, that contradicts what Paul says to the Romans. And I said, well, no, that contradicts your understanding of what Paul says to the Romans, <laughs> not what Paul actually wrote to the Romans. The Catholic Church actually has a proper understanding of that. And I said, and you have too narrow of an understanding. I said, do you really believe God is going to condemn to hell 6 billion people? Yes. Do you think that your small little group, because he even started getting into basically hinting that Catholics and others probably aren't going to heaven either. And then he had some other groups along with that. And by the time we whittled down the list, it was kind of like his little church is it. And the rest of the world, God created this world in order to condemn everyone to hell. And I said, does that make sense to you? He goes, yes. And I just looked at him and I said, you know what? You and I don't believe in the same God. He did not like that. I said, your God is a tyrant. Your God is a God who, the only reason that he created us was to condemn us. And so I quoted to him, Jesus said, I did not come in the world to condemn the world, but to save it. So he just would not, in any way, shape, or form, you know, budge from his position. And I finally said to him, I said, do you believe that Moses was holy? 
He said, yes. I said, do you believe the prophets were holy, like Isaiah, Jeremiah? Yes. What about Jesus' grandparents? In the Catholic Church, we have names for them, Anna and Joachim. I believe his grandparents were holy. He's like, probably. I said, none of them were baptized in the way that you say. So I said, do you think Moses is in hell? Do you think the prophets are in hell? See, I tried to get him to see like, you come up with this very narrow way of how you understand God's love. And you're condemning the whole world because of that narrow understanding. So he kind of thought about that, but he wasn't sure what to do with it. And in the end, we had to agree to disagree. And he went away sad, kind of like that rich man who didn't want to give up all his possessions because he didn't know what to do. And I told him, I said, what you need to do is you need to go back and study the Old Testament and understand that God is a God of justice because it's all through the Old Testament. And a God of justice, he is going to judge each and every heart according to the, how that heart can know and to love his son, Jesus Christ. And we leave it up to God. Remember how I shared with you before, the Catholic Church has never definitively said any specific person is in hell. We don't say that Judas is in hell. We don't say that Hitler is in hell. We don't say that Stalin is in hell. We don't know. We don't get to know. That is not our place. As soon as we think it's our place, then we say we are God. And if we were in charge of Judgment Day, how do you think it would really go? Do you think we could really judge according to the way that God judges and see and to know and understand the way that God does? Is that not what St. John the Cross has been telling us all along, that we are limited in how we see and understand these things and that we need to see them in the way that God himself wants us to see them with that supernatural light? You know, today in the gospel, the Sadducees have been silenced by Jesus they, they were having a discussion with him over resurrection. They don't believe in it. And they want to know why Jesus does. They thought they had scriptural proof for why they could say what they were saying. And they were quite smug about it. And Jesus declares to them, you know, neither the scriptures nor the power of God. You don't know either one. And he quotes to them, did you never hear about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? Why would God be referred to in that way, he says, unless God is the God of the living and not the dead? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they are not dead. They are living. They are living in the resurrection is why God is referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The crowds are astonished by this. But the Sadducees, they have lost their ability to be astonished by God. They've lost that wonder and that awe. They think they know it all. And they've remained 
in that place. Just like St. John of the Cross says, as soon as we think we know it all, then we remain in that place and we go no further. God wants to draw us up into that mystical union and we're content with being down here in the mire of the world. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees who dislike one another, they join forces against Jesus. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. What unifies them is their hatred against Jesus. The opposite of what he teaches in the gospel today. That true unity is brought about by love. So the scholar of the law asked Jesus a question. But this scholar, he thinks he already knows the answer. He thinks he has got all figured out. That his intellect is greater than that of Jesus. Wow. Did he really think he was going to win this one? Yet he exposes his true lack of knowing and understanding. Remember, our intellect can only know natural things, not the supernatural. Only faith can know the supernatural. This scholar, he's asking this question from his intellect. He's only looking at the natural. He is not in any way, shape, or form understanding the supernatural at all. And the question that the scholar of the law asks is a trick question. There's no real desire to seek wisdom. The goal is to publicly humiliate Jesus. Which of the commandments is the greatest? He's not just talking about the Ten Commandments. Maybe that would have made it a little bit easier. He's talking about the 613 commandments of the Jewish law. Jesus, pick one of those. Tell me, of these 613, which one is the most important? This is set up. How can he answer that? If he says this one's important, then, well, is this one less important? Do we have to, can we ignore this now? Does the whole thing kind of, you know, is it all up in the air? Do we believe any of it? You see how this was going to go? Which one of those 613 Jesus is the most important? And of course, the first three words out of Jesus' mouth are profound. You shall love. Wow. Best answer ever. The greatest of the commandments is love. The scholar, he doesn't have any love for Jesus. He has contempt, arrogance. Love is nowhere to be found in his heart. See, the Pharisees, they want to tame God. They want to place him in a box. They view the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the, the books of the law, they view them in a very narrow way. But Jesus, he quotes the Torah back to them in a new 
and dramatic way. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Heart, the source of our passions and feelings, the center of our person, our whole being. And the soul, the soul that is always yearning for that eternal union with God, that soul that is filled with that hope of that one day being in that destination, that eternal union with God. It knows God with faith. It strives to the eternal with hope, and it seeks to love God with that perfect love. And then the mind that St. John of the Cross says, it, it seeks the truth, but can only really know and understand and live that truth by surrendering our minds completely to God. So God claims our entire being, heart, soul, and mind. There's no part of us that we can hold back. All is surrendered to God in a complete and total act of love. The lover and the beloved. Love is both the complete giving to God of our faculties and our efforts, that exterior part, and then also that interior giving of everything, the intellect, the memory, and the will. all your heart, soul, and mind. But now Jesus gives the second commandment. Hmm. Well, he's only asked for one, but Jesus always gives us more than we ask for. He's always so generous. He's always trying to take us to that next place, always going further, always stretching us beyond our comfort zone. Never satisfied with giving us what we, with what we just prefer. He's going to go to the very depths of our soul. So Jesus says, of loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind, that this is the greatest and the first of the commandments. Deuteronomy is where Jesus is quoting this from. In Deuteronomy, it refers to neighbor as, as one's fellow countryman. It is a narrower definition. Jesus now expands neighbor to mean everyone. We are to love God and all human beings with an unconditional love. Here's the dilemma. If I love God with all my heart and soul and mind, how can I then love my neighbor if all of my love is directed to God? Remember, this came up with St. John of the Cross. Some accused him that his approach to God in the dark night was that all that love is reserved to God and there's no love left for anyone in the world. So the same dilemma comes up in this gospel today. That is, do we deny our neighbor any, 
Any, any good? Do we desire to inflict evil upon them? If we love God with our whole heart, soul, and mind, is there any place in our hearts now to desire to do good to our neighbor, to refrain from inflicting evil upon him or her that we would fear? So here's the answer that Jesus gives. It is only in giving ourselves completely to God that we then love each other in the way that God commands us. Because part of loving God is doing his will toward our neighbor. So to not love our neighbor is then to declare that we don't love God completely. That is why Jesus says in the second commandment, well, not exactly like the first, it is still like it. Because it is so linked to it. If I really love God, then once I love God, then I love like God. And if I love like God, then I'm going to love everyone unconditionally. Therefore, I love my neighbor. But we can't love others truly the way we need to if we don't first love God completely. And that's why Jesus says, here's the second commandment. Because it's a reminder we can never love a person or a thing with that love that is reserved to God. Once we do that, we make that thing or that person into what we heard in the second reading today, idols or gods. And then all of that intense love is directed towards that thing or that person. No, our love must first be directed to God and completely and totally, 100%. And once we're brought up into that love of God, and we love like God, and then it flows back onto all people. So if we don't love God completely, then we're first loving ourselves or something else or someone else. St. John the Cross, you know, that's why he says we must first detach ourselves from all these other loves so that we can love God in the proper way. And then our love for others is also done in the proper way. So once again, the truth that if I am truly loving God with all my heart, soul, and mind, then I am compelled to love my neighbor as God requires of us. Our love for God and receiving that love depend on loving our neighbor. Whenever we exclude God from our relationships, including our own, our relationships will then be with a disordered love. 
We will end up loving something with our whole heart that is not God, and we fail to love our neighbor in the way that we should because only the love of God shows us how to do that properly. The love that Jesus speaks of today is a love that reflects the cross, the complete self-giving to the Father. And it is through joining Jesus on that cross that we embrace that love that is represented by the vertical beam, that vertical beam that leads to the Father. And because Jesus' greatest act of love, his suffering and dying on the cross, is for all of humanity, we embrace the love that is represented by that horizontal beam that represents the world and all in it. And it is these two together that make up that ultimate symbol of love. We now stand before God our Father, calling upon him to hear the prayers that we now offer in love. We pray first for Pope Francis, our Bishop James, and all clergy, that they may, through the example of their lives and through their teaching, help to bring others to come to know and to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind, and their neighbor as themselves, we pray to the Lord, Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for the church that each and every one of her members may let go of any false loves, any idols or gods in our lives, that our hearts may be truly dedicated to loving God completely and totally. We pray to the Lord, Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for the world that the message of God's love, mercy, repentance, that that message may go out to all the world, that all may come to know and to love Jesus Christ and his church. We pray to the Lord, Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for our nation We pray for a peaceful election. We pray for God's guidance in choosing candidates that truly reflect the principles of the kingdom of God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for all of those who are far away from God, who have closed their hearts to him, who are in that darkness, that despair. We pray this very day through our prayers, our penances, our good works, that their minds and hearts may be opened to receive that grace of God, to come to know and to love him in the way that he desires. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for all of you as you 
leave this place this day to go out to be in but not of the world, that you will share that love of God with everyone whom you meet and help bring that message of love to all the world. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for all of our loved ones who have gone before us. We pray for all of those who have died with no one to pray for them. We pray for for all of those who are in purgatory. We pray that they may be experiencing soon the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ in heaven in that fullness of God's love. We pray to the Lord, Lord, hear our prayer. God, our Father, we stand before you as your children. You call on each and every one of us to love you with all our heart, soul, and mind and our neighbor as ourselves. Help us through the grace of your Son to fully live this love in our lives that we may help to take that wonderful message of your love out to all the world that they too may come to know and to love you and all of us live together in that love and peace of your Son. And we ask that you answer these prayers we offer you this day through the most beautiful honor of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. The Lord accept the sacrifice of your hands for the praise of our righteousness, for our individual Look, we pray, O Lord, on the offerings we make to your majesty, that whatever is done by us in your service, may be directed above all to your glory. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Lift up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Father most holy. Through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your word to whom you made all, all things, whom you sent as our Savior and Redeemer, incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin. Fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people, he stretched out his hands as he endured his passion, so to break the bonds of death and manifest the resurrection. And so with the angels and all the saints, we declare your glory. As with one voice we acclaim. Song to Song to Song to Stormy News
You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all we have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, <clears throat> he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. Unfading help. 
May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis our Pope and James our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who are pleasing to you as they're passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, to whom we bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Happy are those who are called to suffer of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. <clears throat> Let us pray. May your sacraments, O Lord, we pray, perfect in us what lies within them, that what we now celebrate in signs, we may one day possess in truth. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may God bless you, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This mass is ended. Go announce the gospel of the Lord. Then speak to God. Saint Michael, you are an angel. You are the protection of his sweetness and serves to the devil. May God give you only prayer. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host. By the power of God, trust us in all Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world to receive the good souls. Amen. Hail Mary, Christian Conley. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. 